Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, June 19th, 2022. We've got members of the Media, Academia, Financial Services standing by to analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. But if you're tired of the same old story, on the line. She is the healthcare editor for Business Insider. We're talking about Lydia Ramsey Lanzer. Lydia, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. A lot of news going on in the healthcare arena and, and whether it's new drugs, vaccines, uh, new technology, etc. One uh, item that I, th- I know really has piqued yours and the team's interest is the FDA has authorized Pfizer and Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine for children as young as six want to get your reaction to this and some more details. Yeah, yeah. It's actually even more comprehensive than that. It's children as young as six months. Yes, six uh, so months old. That's right. This is the approval for your authorization. Yeah, before this, uh, folks could be like as, as young as five to get the, the shot, but now now it's for all little kids and toddlers and, and babies. Um, in that like post six month window, um, so that's really uh, exciting. The doses are different for for babies. Um, they're given the Pfizer dose is given in a three dose increment setup, um, and the Moderna one is another two dose. But the dosage amounts uh, tend to be different than you know what's going into an adult uh, person. Um, so it's but it's really a big a big move. It's taken a really long time to get this approval or this authorization, I should say. Uh, we were supposed to see it, you know, months ago, but it kept being delayed as, as kind of regulars look for more evidence to make sure the, the evidence is there to support it. Um, but this has to be a big release to, to parents with young kids who have been kind of <laughs> excited and looking forward to, to making sure their kids have this vaccine. And and so you would just go to your regular physician, uh, imagining, or or do you have to go to the CV? I mean, I know the details probably are not yet, but any any thoughts about where if you're a parent out there and you have a six month old, do you go to your pediatrician? Do you go to your uh, CVS? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, kids and kids and young young babies are getting shots pretty often, and so their their parents are usually in close communication with pediatricians. It's definitely the probably the best people to consult, especially because, you know, the data looks different for, for kids and babies. Um, and so it's a, it's a more of a conversation around, you know, do you want to get this child vaccinated? Uh, what what are the risks? What are the benefits? Um, for the most part, there's quite a bit of benefits, which is great to see. But, but yeah, that is a definitely a conversation that should be happening with, with pediatricians specifically. Lydia, a lot of talk this week has been about the stock market and even though we're talking talking about healthcare, uh there's a biotech market there are startups that are um that are creating new vaccines new services in the healthcare industry you've talked a lot about them um how have some how has the how have these startups done like specifically the biotech market done 
um, with what's happening in general at the stock market? Are they being impacted the same way as uh, maybe a tech company would, where they're you know seeing some you know forced layoffs or things like that, furloughs or whatnot, um, or has it been you know remained um, you know kind of away from all that? Yeah, you know it's interesting. It feels like the biotech market took a turn maybe even like four or five months before the rest of the market started to turn, you know, around March uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so we've been seeing this for a bit as investors have cooled off on stocks that are backing uh, like vaccine development, things like that. Those got really hyped in 2020 and most of 2021. Uh, but yeah, definitely the storyline in 2022 has been uh, big stock market dips. Companies are down a ton from their, their highs and, you know, Biotech companies are definitely not immune to layoffs. It's interesting to compare it to kind of tech and things like that because, to a certain degree, uh, the the business model is so different, right? Like these companies don't have products they're marketing; they don't have revenue for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. So it's difficult to, you know, when tech folks are laying off uh, their employees, that usually a move to kind of rein back in some of the growth they were expecting to do. Uh, but that's not totally the case for biotech. Um, so it's, it's definitely a lot of tightening of belts, but uh, no clear <laughs> end in sight. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, a bit of a struggle. Yeah. And, and we need, right. I mean, the market is affecting people in so many different ways, whether it's as a job or your 401k or retirement balance or your overall, just your savings. People are seeing that stuff kind of wiped out, but this also has an impact on businesses that are creating new drugs, new services, like what you just described. Uh, one one new service or one thing that caught me off guard, I think, when we last spoke was the power of the magic mushroom market, Lydia. And I kind of I kind of laughed it off, and I didn't really see it as a um, until you explained it to me why this is such a powerful market. And uh, you know, I, I know you and the team did some stories around the legal the legal magic mushroom market and the influencers there. What is there any more that you can tell us about that market and I know you said that um, you know psychedelics can help with PTSD and other forms of uh, tr- mental trauma, which a lot of people are going to. Then, any other additional information you have re- regarding that market, and when can we see potentially see um, magic mushrooms heading to our local uh, our local states? Yeah, definitely not not yet. <laughs> it's a short answer. Um, you know, our my my colleague uh, Yeji Lee has been doing a great job. She in June kind of set up with uh, one of our other colleagues in the UK a, a clinical trial tracker, um, and that gives a really comprehensive picture about some, like I think they went round up like about 18 clinical trials mm-hmm. um, that can make or break this industry. Uh, some of them are really, you know, more developed than others. You know, like there's there's um a trial right now happening that's like pretty late stage that's looking at, uh, I believe it's uh, MDMA for, for uh, PTSD. Um, it's that's in like phase three. So, you know, that, that could be setting itself up for an approval uh, of, of MDMA or, or ecstasy for approval. This is a little different than mushrooms, but it's all in the same kind of psychedelic <laughs> bucket. Um, but others are way, way earlier. You know, we have a lot of folks in phase one, there's not like a really clear pathway to kind of develop trials and things like that. So there's definitely a lot of hype in the industry at the moment. Um, and they're definitely not, the industry is not immune from <laughs> the market dynamics, putting a lot of pressure on companies like 
some of the big ones like Compass are are, are struggling or, or a tie. Those are two of the, the bigger psychedelic players. Um, but it, it, we'll see. I think it's one of those things to keep an eye out on in the next like 10 years versus the next two to three years. Is this kind of mirror the pattern that we went through when we uh, the use of marijuana, medical marijuana, distribution of marijuana, um, again, maybe a little bit different in the sense that there was recreational marijuana and there was medical marijuana. Um, I guess some people do use magic mushrooms for recreation, but I don't don't believe that that is uh, legal. But we're talking about something for for treatment. But is it kind of following that same path? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's super possible that it might. Um, that's kind of the big question mark is mm-hmm. whether or not you know when we saw. Um, there be a recreational cannabis market and a, recre- or a, a medical cannabis market. Uh, we saw that pop up because there was no like really strong patents and, and ways to kind of take a drug through an FDA approval process to prove that it works for such and such condition, you know, pain management, something like that. Yeah. Um, in the absence of that, we didn't see that investment in, in testing it and rigor. It's possible we'll see that in psychedelics. It's possible we won't. There's a lot of you know, boring patent stuff getting sorted out. Um, but that will ultimately really determine whether or not, yes, the market goes the way the cannabis market did, has gone, uh, versus, you know, maybe a more traditional uh, therapy. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're going to be talking about this one. And, and it, there are, obviously, like you said, clinical trials going on. And we're going to see, hear about the results, just like we heard about the results with the, with the COVID vaccine and so many other um, treatments. So it'll be interesting to kind of, watch this as it evolves because I completely miss the marijuana uh, legalization piece. I mean, I know it happened, obviously, but I missed I missed out on on on, on tracking this. Lydia, we're going to have to leave it there. Always great to t- chat with you. I hope you're enjoying the great city of Denver and uh, enjoying the um, the uh, the heat. And we wish you a great rest of the weekend. We look forward to talking to you very soon. I'm great. Thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network.
Hopefully now you're interested in investing in stocks, which we at The Motley Fool believe is the single best way for folks like you and me to gain what could be truly life-changing wealth. That's why today we've got a special offer for new members. Since the service started, our average stock pick has returned over 600%, and that's over four times the return of the S&P 500. Don't regret not taking action right now. Just enter your email to get started. Joining us on the line, he is the lead anchor for the TD Ameritrade Network. We're talking about Mr. Oliver Rennick. Oliver, thanks a lot for stopping by this morning. Thank you, Jeff, always. Yeah it's, ple- it. yeah, it's a pleasure to get you to break things down. Let's talk about the 75-point uh, basis point raise rise uh, by the Federal Reserve. What was the impact on the markets this week? We got a uh, pretty big sell-off. <laughs> Basically, more of the same continuation uh, in the broad market trends and specifically a near-identical repeat of what happened after the May FOMC, where markets – rallied on the day and then sold off the night of, which is basically exactly what happened the last time uh, Powell uh, made a move on FOMC. And that's important to context just real quick, because last time around, uh, the main highlight from the May FOMC was a fairly dovish language that Powell used to uh, try and um, dissuade the market from expecting 75 basis point hikes in July. And when he did that, the market rallied for a day and it sold off. The yields kept going up. Stocks kept going down. So now he went dovish last time. And this time, even though he was uh, quick to turn around from that uh, inflation print and go 75, so he showed willingness to become more hawkish depending on the data. And he did that by hiking 75 basis points, which is what the market expected after the hot inflation. But looking at how the bond market prices in future hikes for the rest of the year, Powell's message going forward alongside the rest of the FOMC is actually still pricing in fewer hikes than the market. So he's saying 75 is not necessarily the new standard. Uh, next one probably 50 to 75, and basically we'll see after that. The market still has more conviction that there will be steadier hikes of at least 50 basis points. So he actually was still more dovish than the market. <laughs> so you're getting an idea here of really how intense the bond market has been in its concern over inflation not coming down. And so we got the exact same thing as in May, even though Powell might have seemed more hawkish with doing 75 he actually still signaled less than the bond market was expecting for the future. And thus, we got the exact same event, a rally in stocks, and then a sell-off the next day. However, this is where it gets very interesting. The sell-off on Thursday was a little bit different than the last FOMC-driven sell-off. We got a new low in stocks, which is what happened last time. And the catch, though, is that this time... You had the dollar selling off in a big way, and you had bond yields going down. And that's a bit of a different type of selling. The reason why that's important is because if bond yields are going down and the stock market is selling as hard as it did on Thursday with specifically really bad performance in home building stocks 
and cyclical reopening trades, that is more a market that is really starting to fear an economic slowdown. So it's a combination of both the interest rate dynamic, which has already been pressuring stocks as yields go higher and crushes the valuations. But that's a bit of a different type of reasoning for selling than, okay, we're actually really at risk economically. Let's dump everything, including economically sensitive stocks, and then let's maybe buy some bonds just in case, even though inflation's high. And so you actually had a fairly decent bond rally on Thursday and Friday, even as markets struggled to rally. Uh, Friday, a little bit of strength early on, but the message of the week is more selling in stocks, generally higher yields still, but also a higher risk of recession induced by this tightening that markets are starting to really fear. Oliver, what's the uh, the benchmark? Is it just inflation? You know, when you look, I don't know, you know, I mean, the, the Fed has its own language. It looks like English, but it often isn't. It's it can it it, it's, it doesn't always react like English. Um, mm -hmm. But what is uh, what's the reaction? Um, you know what what are the benchmarks benchmarks by which uh, they're going to be measuring this? Is it you know pr prices coming down, gas prices coming down? Any idea there? Yeah, good question. Good question. I've been asking people the same thing basically all week. Uh, it's uh, basically just inflation. That's where it just really right now is um, hard to be super confident in the status of the economy or the stock market uh, because inflation is still warming up based on the CPI print that we last saw, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, we did get a higher number. So there's just no sign of it. Maybe uh, commodity prices going down. I think that's probably what you need to watch for. Crude oil sell-off in the second half of the week is interesting uh, because if you're going to have home builders selling off because mortgage rates are surging and that is going to hurt people's uh, wealth by their home prices going down or just affordability of homes changing, as well as some of the other consumer stocks really selling off. If the market's going to punish and sell businesses that depend on the economy, then you might as well hope crude oil crashes too. Because basically the Fed is saying, and Jay Powell did say, look, I'm not trying to create unemployment, but it's probably going to happen, and we are going to have to pump the brakes. So they're using this blunt instrument to swing it, to try and hit inflation, and it looks like they're hitting some other stuff right now. Let's hope the sell-off in crude oil means that maybe it just might work. Oliver, we had talked in years past about cryptocurrency, and I think the crypto bulls were always saying that if the markets went down, the crypto would be a safe haven or it would be at least not go down as much. But that really has not been the case. I mean it has continued – to get hammered, uh, whether it's Bitcoin, Ether, Ripple, any of the zillions of cryptocurrency. Any thoughts there on the digital asset market? Oh, yeah. it's. Um, I don't think the selling and risk assets is over until uh, we see Bitcoin trading below 10000 possibly as low as 3500 maybe even lower. Once we break uh, through 20000 I think that the downside in crypto – is difficult to fathom how quickly it could come about. I think that still is probably the baseline we have to work off here because it's the least productive, most excessive asset class without much utility at all mm -hmm. thus far. And thus that should 
lead to extreme downside. We're already seeing extreme downside in crypto, and we're seeing big downside in the stock market too. Uh, but because we see the way the stock market is particularly punishing companies that don't have profit, don't have dividends, way along that risk spectrum, even worse than those bad companies, is the crypto world where there is really nothing behind the vast majority of market cap, if not close to all of it. So my baseline assumption, after we've seen how Bitcoin has really failed here over the last eight months, if you plot Bitcoin versus CPI, as soon as inflation exited the past 10-year range, mm -hmm. Bitcoin started declining. And Bitcoin has been the worst performer since inflation started heating up. It is a perfectly inverse chart. Since CPI started rising, Bitcoin has been going down the worst. That means that that whole narrative is bunk. And because it doesn't work as money in a real useful way, there will be some utility for people that need to transact in this, um, ex you know, this means of exchange. But uh, the price to do so is much uh, lower, probably. So I would expect a lot more pain. Yeah. Um, what about this short week? So Monday is uh, the markets closed for Juneteenth. I mean, what what typically is there a typical expectation of where the markets will be or could nah, be? Uh, not really. No. The most VIX will be lower, though, as you take out a day, and there's options expiry today, so volatility is really diving today. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, a new low in stocks means the trend continues to generally just assume that rallies are meant to be faded in this market. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see how things unfold. Always a great conversation. Oliver, thanks so much for breaking it down and wishing you a great rest of your weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks, Jeff. See you, bud. Bye-bye. See you. Later. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website. That's at www.broadcastretirementnetwork.com. And, of course, our streaming partners. We won't be on tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday. It's also Juneteenth, but we're back again on Tuesday for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.